Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm Jeff Rutherford, and you can find me on Instagram at Jeff Rutherford. And I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. And you can find Elaine on Instagram at MessyGoat. And I wanted to just briefly say about this podcast for just a moment. We realize that we've been very sporadic in releasing episodes. Um, We do have plans to record more interviews. So if you enjoy this podcast, just keep us subscribed in your favorite podcast listening app. And hopefully you'll be listening to more interviews from us soon. And we're excited today to be interviewing Quilter Ann Fiedelson. Anne lives in Western Massachusetts, and in in addition to the quilts that she makes, she was trained and worked as a painter, and Anne's quilts have been selected and on display at several of the Modern Quilt Guild's QuiltCon shows, uh, also the Vermont Quilt Festival, and Quilts Equal Art Equals Quilts at the Schweinfurth Art Center in Auburn, New York. And you can find Anne's quilts on Instagram at Fiedelson Ann, and that's spelled F-E-I-T-E-L-S-O-N-A-N-N on Instagram. And Ann, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you. Sure. Well, um, as I mentioned, you trained as a painter originally. Can you tell us how you transitioned into making the quilts that you're making now? Well, um, First, I was an art major in college. Then I made some quilts. Then I worked as a painter. Then I stopped painting. And then I discovered quilt making for real. So that's the summary. Um, Backing up into a little more detail, I'm so lucky that I was able to see the 1971 show at the Whitney Museum in New York City called Abstract Design in American Quilts, which was in 1971. I graduated from college in 1972. And um, the summer I graduated, I was hand-piecing some flying geese uh, in admiration and emulation of what I had seen at that Whitney show. And I made a few quilts then, but I was already consumed with pursuing a career in the arts. And I went to an art school in New York City and was very serious about painting for about 10 years and didn't do any quilts then. Um, And I sort of burned out on painting then and did other arts-related things, which included having an internship at the University of Massachusetts in arts administration. And I was, that's how I was introduced to the work of quilter Michael James, whose work I loved at first sight. And I was allowed to call him up and say, we would like you to come visit us to show us your quilts, um, to prospectively make a quilt for the motor vehicle department in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Anyway, I met him then and I started taking classes with him. That would be in the 1990s. Um, And I really, at that time, I was not painting, but I was knitting passionately. And I thought, oh, this will help me with color and design in my knitting. And it really was kind of a repeat of what I had done as a college art major, but it was all kind of new and exciting doing it with him. And he showed the work of uh, contemporary quilt makers in those classes. So 
but they were just paint and paper and color and design until 1999, the class I took with him. And that class, we used fabric. And that's when I started quilting. That's great. Well, can you can you describe? I know that this is an audio um, interview, but could you um, try to kind of describe in general the types of quilts that you currently make? Well, that's an interesting challenge. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what I love more than anything else is color. I mean, it just is so lyrical and delicious and infinitely varied. Um, so I like to work with color sequences and, you know, a rainbow is a sequence or light blue to medium blue to dark blue is a sequence. And I like to combine color sequences. So you might put light blue next to yellow and medium blue next to orange and dark blue next to red and so on. And Michael James did, um, did that kind of thing in the strip pieced quilts he made, um, well, back in the 70s and 80s. Um, so I love color and I love color sequences. And, you know, the, the training that I had as a painter all derives from the lineage of the abstract expressionist painter Hans Hoffman, who was a, a widely popular and legendary teacher and was the teacher of my teachers. Um, so to really condense the lessons from him. It has to do with push-pull and dynamic composition so that one thing is intention in relation to another. Um, so, um, well, I guess that could suffice <laughs> without any quilts in front of us. You mentioned earlier the Whitney Museum show. For those listening who may not be familiar with that show, can you tell us a little bit about it? Was that the first time that quilts had been on display in a museum as works of art? That's true. That's why that show is so important. And um, it was the day, the days of big abstract color field painting and these collectors, Jonathan Holstein, and I forget his partner's name right now, but um, it put it the the quilts became an equivalent of the large abstract paintings that were popular and and noted notable and important and you know kind of um gee i don't know you know loved and worshipped almost at the time anyway by art lovers um so uh, the quilts are you know they were vintage quilts there were flying geese quilts or amish bars quilts um uh, big colorful quilts with lots of museum space around them um it was just kind of breathtaking uh, to see a lot of gorgeous big quilts beautifully displayed when you are thinking about or planning a new quilt you mentioned earlier that that color is um, really um, vital, important to you in your quilt making. Is that what you start thinking about? Or are you thinking about shapes? Um, what's that kind of creative process like for you? Well, I could only say it's multi-dimensional or multi-factorial. Um, you know, sometimes there's a germ of an idea of. I just want to try this certain block. Uh, but 
there's other ideas that have been uh, marinating for quite a while in my head um, that are personal about just like looking. I have a series of quilts about the cosmos, or I think they're about the cosmos. They're about lots of different circles, which to me are planets and moons and orbs and galaxies. Um, uh, so, and then there's another theme that I really love working with, which is food. Um, and I've done a number of quilts on the theme of cake, of making a hexagon that looks like a square piece of cake. Um, so, you know, one thing kind of leads to another. So, and sometimes, you know, I want to make another one. I feel that there's more unexplored, not yet explored possibilities in the themes that I've already worked on. Um, but they all, over time, it all kinds of builds up or build, they build on each other. So I can use leftovers from one project in another. Um, so there's my personal ideas. There's seasonal kind of color that affects me. I mean, the colors I tend to use in summer are different than winter, although sometimes in winter I'm reacting against all that bleakness and they go bright. Um, color, themes, shapes, blocks, um, previous quilts. I'll stop there for now. <laughs> sure. Well, well, you mentioned earlier about um, how when you saw this Whitney show, you were doing um, some handwork. Um, I think you've mentioned, um, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned half square triangles or flying geese. Um, and I'm curious, once you, once you discovered Michael James in the process that you talked about earlier, um, I, I, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to, to get around to asking is I know that, that, um, a number of people, um, who originally get into quilt making first start from kind of a commercial pattern or kind of a traditional pattern. Um, I'm curious, given your, your background as an artist, did you just kind of dive in, in terms of doing your own thing? I pretty much did. Yes. Um, because the class with Michael that I started make, well, I mean, I had made the flying geese quilt and another one, what do you call that? Rail fence back in the early seventies. Um, um, eh, but he, in the class that I took with him in 1999, he, this is commonly done. I think Kate Fassett does the same thing in his classes. You pass out postcards or reproductions of works of art that are inspiring and beautiful in themselves and then say somehow or other make something based on this. So you could interpret it however you want. And what I chose or was given in that class in 1999 was an Indian miniature, um, which, you know, has a whole lot of detail and color. Um, it's not a, a generalized kind of image. It's an accretion of many tiny things, but so I kind of, you know, imagined breaking it down into small units and there were a lot of soldiers or something. So each little three by five rectangle that I made represented one of the soldiers. Um, um, so there was that one and very rarely or, you know, maybe at the very, very, very beginning, I did use a pattern. But, you know, I have so much experience of drawing and painting. I had painted landscapes and still lifes and from the model. Um, 
that I wasn't really ever hesitating to do do something my own way. Sure. And by the way, I mean, there's a lot of ways I can use color sequences. I mean, Michael strip pieced them, but I can, you know, make one star, you know, make a group of stars, even though they're not adjacent to color sequence and the background behind them, a different color sequence, or um, there just seem to me to be infinite ways to, to use color sequences. Absolutely. Um, I noticed on your website a lot of um, geometric shapes. And are you drawn to geometry in particular? Or is that, do you have a mathematical drawing background? Or is well, it just- I don't, I'm not particularly mathematical. But, you know, when I started quilting around 1999, there was no quote unquote modern quilt movement then. Of course, everything that's made in the present is modern by it's because it's not you know i'm not looking well i look towards the past some but at any rate it what you make now is contemporary but the the kind of division in the quilt world then was art quilt or traditional quilt and okay i i mean i liked i like symmetry and asymmetry i like to have kind of both of those things to some extent um uh, but now, you know, the modern quilt movement has changed everything. Wait, what did you ask me? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the geometric. Uh, oh, yeah, so, guy, I guess for the unity of it. Right. No, but so, you know, the art quilters are really into soft focus and printing and painting and embellishment and, um, I'm, I, I'm kind, I don't want to go back to painting. Um, I don't want to paint on my quilts or get too messy. I mean, uh, so, and then I like finished edges. So I'm not a big fan of, you know, applique with raw threads hanging out on the edge. Um, so to, you know, if you're going to sew it together, you got to have some geometry for, to be able to sew it together. True, true. I was trained by I a love- painter, so. Say that again? My mom is an uh, art school graduate painter uh-huh. and a quilter. And so we went, she and I both went through the art quilt phase around that same time mm-hmm. and have both gone back to the geometry. Mm-hmm. So I'm with yeah. you. And then I love, you know, I spent, I don't know, five years or so knitting very intensively i wrote um a book called the art of fair isle knitting and that was kind of the bridge for me between painting and quilting and um you know the geometric pattern yields this effect of infinity um you know all the stars in the sky or indra's net or you know, just vast grids, I think, are deeply appealing to us in a certain way of and as an escape from our own finitude. I agree. You know, I love playing with geometry and finding new ways to use the same shapes so that they're there and then they're not, and then they're there. And I see a lot of that in your work. Yes. So it's fun. You use the structure and then mess with it with color to make it disappear and come back. Right. It's, it's quite innovative, exciting to see. It's really 
I'd like to encourage anyone listening to this to go go to her Instagram feed or Anne's website to see what she's done because it's pretty amazing. Thank you. So sorry, didn't mean to geek out on you. Oh, <laughs> not at all. Let's see, I'm a I'm a recovering geometry teacher, so ah. you know, I, I've. I do a lot of the same. I love color and love the color play, but I like the structure that -hmm. you can get so that you can force the color to interact within a structure. And that's Mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of that. Mm -hmm. So very cool. Well, talking about pattern and and structure, um, didn't you participate in the, um, New quilts from an old block, I think that's what it's called, or I could be, I could have the name. New wrong. quilts from an old favorite. Yes, yeah, I entered quilts. that contest many times, maybe as many as ten, or and I didn't always get in, but I usually got in, and that was it was useful for a while for me because it solved the problem of what to do next. <laughs> of like, here's this block they want you to use, and okay, you know, now I don't have to wade through everything. Although now, you know, I have enough impetus in the ideas that I already have. Um, uh, but I liked using the traditional blocks, uh, you know, in, with that prompt from them. And I'm wondering if you can talk, I know that, um, and, and some people who have seen your quilts in passing may not be aware of this, but I know that there is a particular fabric with birds that you have, um, repeatedly used in, in many uh, of your um, quilts. I wondered if you could talk about that. Sure. Um, actually, I was very lucky to have um, been invited to visit a friend in the Peace Corps in Africa in 1984. And he was in Mali. And among the many things we did there was, uh, or I did there, was shop for fabric. And I brought back a variety of fabrics, and one of them had little blackbirds that are, say, about an inch long, and they were within these wavy stripes, and the stripes kind of uh, undulated over them and undulated under them, and each bird was framed by an undulation of stripes, and it was they were on an orange background. And um, so I've had that fabric for, I don't know, 40 years or whatever it is now, and, um, you know, it has sentimental significance from having been there. Um, but then there was a quilt show, uh, where a woman who called herself the African fabric lady was selling some indigo and white, um, fabric that is horizontal stripes with birds in ovals interrupting the stripes and I bought all that she had then I just adored it and used it until I used it up and um uh hunted for more of it on the internet uh futilely um for quite a while but uh eventually I discovered that the manufacturer called Vlisco, V-L-I-S-C-O, in the Netherlands, makes um, that print in many different colors, and it's called Speedbird. <laughs> and um, because uh, there's a few legends that I've read, uh, one of them is like money flies just like the birds fly or something like that. But I also 
read that it was kind of the uh, print used on the, you know, the upholstery in the African airlines. Um, but the bird in the oval, it's just a beautiful, poignant image to me. And so I've cut out the oval and applicated it into some of the quilts on the cosmic theme. So it kind of looks like a bird flying on a turquoise sky. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you have to usually, well, you can buy it in one yard increments now, but um, I get it from, a, now I get it from a company called Urban Stacks, U-R-B-A-N-S-T-A-X in Britain, and they import it from Ghana. So, uh, the very same image is manufactured both in Africa and in the Netherlands, and it's all called African fabric. Um, and there's other images of birds in African fabrics. And I mean, I kind of collect fabrics with bird prints and I'll put them in. It's just kind of a nice way to uh, reference or suggest the sky and the infinitude of the sky by putting a bird in. Very cool. And I like the history of your friend in, in mm -hmm. the Peace Corps. That's, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you, you do uh, use a lot of color and, and uh, a wide color palette. So are you constantly building your stash? Well, it's pretty well built up right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a lot by now. Um, so sometimes... If I'm working on something and I want I want a sequence or a blend, sometimes I over dye the fabric I already have. You know, I might put a yellow and a black and white in pink dye, and the yellow will turn orange, and the black and white print will become pink with black dots. Um, uh, or you know, I can take a green and white stripe and make it dull green or blue green. Um, so if I really need a color for a blend, I will over dye. So do you have a dedicated space in your home? No. Dye? No, I'm not. I'm not up to speed on that. And, <laughs> um, uh, oh. I use the dyes from Joann's and you can just do it in, you know, I, I'm not dyeing massive amounts of fabric, you know, so I'm, if I've got a yard of something, I might put, you know, an eighth of a yard of 10 different fabrics in that, in that dye bath. And cause what I want is multi, m many shades of related sort of similar colors. Yes. Yeah. I briefly, we had a house fire that destroyed my supplies for it, but I briefly got into Procyon dyeing and my yeah, airport was where quilters came to dye. <laughs> So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't do it anymore. There's fun. Yeah, those are more complicated though. And I had a friend locally who moved away, but she really knew what she was doing with the dyes. And she held my hand and coached me through making several shades of one color and the, you know, the constant, the diluted concentrate. But, um, I'm just a little more slapdash about it. Now. Yeah, it's a it's a patience issue for me. I think <laughs> I, I want to move on to the next. Mm, thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, we all have the things that nobody can believe we're patient enough to do, and then the other things that we're just like, I'm just going to get this done. Uh -huh. so, one person's patience is another person's uh, eternity. I don't know. Oh yeah, 
Well, well, actually, actually, speaking of that topic, I I know because I know you personally, and and have watched you work on many quilts. I've seen you uh, um, tear apart a quilt at the very end because there's one color that's not uh, that's not. Uh, um, working for you, I'm. I'm just curious. Uh, you seem to be kind of fearless along those lines. Is it because you you know that it would bother you if you didn't go in and fix it? Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, fearless is one word, but neurotic. <laughs> when you one. said it, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I. I admit it. You know, but I mean, I just can't help wanting it to be the best it can be and wanting the color to sing. And if it doesn't look right, then I'm not happy and then I need to fix it. And I can drive myself crazy. I mean, I really don't recommend my process to anybody else. And, you know, sometimes I kind of get a little stuck in a rut where I'm spinning my wheels and I'm all focused on, you know, this one circle and should it, I can't find the the right, you know, I can't find the yellow green that's not too yellow and not too green, and I'll drive myself crazy for a while. But it's just kind of, it's just part of how I work. I respect that. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't have no fear of the seam ripper, and I think it's, it's a wonderful tool. Oh if, yeah, I mean, especially, I especially, yeah. I have taken pieces out of quilts that are already quilted. I undo the quilting and then I take the piece off and then I have to hand applique it back in and then I fix the quilting. I mean. Yeah, well, Jeff will tell you that you and I are kindred spirits in that vein. <laughs> <laughs> so so speaking of the quilting, um, do you do a lot of your own quilting or do you use a long armor? I I basically do it all myself. Um, on rare, very rare occasions, I've had somebody else do it, like if I'm giving a quilt as a gift um, and I don't want to spend the extra several weeks or months or whatever it becomes. Um, but uh, some of the times when I have used somebody else, it doesn't feel like mine anymore after somebody else worked on it. And uh so I do them. I'd rather just do them myself. So what kind of machine do you have while we're talking about it? What kind do you use to piece and what do you use to do your quilting? It's a Bernina Virtuoso 153. And I think I've had it for 20 years or so. Um, so it, you know, it doesn't have a very big throat, but I can get the quilts through it to quilt them. Um, and I mean, the thing that I haven't mentioned that I do with the machine is mach I, I applique, but I don't hand applique. I machine applique with, um, polyester monofilament in the top and cotton in the bobbin and a blanket stitch. So the machine does a very nice job of that. Very good. Did it take you a long time to get proficient at that? I've, you know, I've struggled some with turning corners. Well, I don't, I don't tend to. I don't tend to do corners. I tend to do circles when I am appliqueing. Um, well, I did have a friend who's a great technician, um, and we collaborated on a quilt with circles, and um, she kind of pioneered that method for us and then uh, for that quilt and then I continued to use it but it's it's pretty I mean I don't know if that's out there anywhere as a suggested method but um the machine it, 
sets itself up to do that quite readily. It's just a blanket stitch. Excellent. Yeah. I've done some, but I'm never quite satisfied, so I haven't done a lot. <laughs> well, you gotta make the you gotta tighten the bobbin down by oh. running the uh, bobbin thread through that extra little holder. That helps. Okay. I wonder if that would work on a Janome. I've I've used a Bernina before. I was actually trained on a Bernina, but I don't yeah. know. I'm kind of afraid to mess with the Janome. Well, you're not actually changing the ten. I mean, I don't know anything about Janomis, but you're not really changing the tension. That little hole to run the bobbin thread through is right there for just that purpose. Yeah. Not a Bernina, anyway. Yeah. So I'm not sure we even have the extra hole in the. I don't think we do. And and so so when you're when you're quilting, are you doing um, a lot of straight line um, quilting? Yes. Um, I'm not a fan of the doodles and stipples and scrolls that are popular and sometimes look beautiful. Um, I, what really interests me, you know, is the color and the design and the quilting interests me much, much less. So I want the quilting to be relatively simple. So straight parallel lines are easy to do. I mean, I don't want to spend forever on the quilting, even though I don't mind spending forever on the color. Um, and there's another uh, quilting motif that I commonly use, which now has a name of modern wave, but I just, I started, I have a ruler that has gentle curves. Um, so you kind of go up, down, up, and then you move the ruler up an inch and over an inch, and then you get a beautiful kind of flowing bunch of curves so i like that motif for quilting it looks like the wind when i put it in the cosmic quilts which is nice so you've mastered using rulers on a domestic machine i've never been able to do that i always i need another arm well no i'm uh, using the i put the quilt on the floor and i put the ruler on the quilt and i draw along the edge of the ruler for the curvy ones, and I draw with the purple vanishing marker or with the white chalk. But okay. when I do the straight lines, I put the quilt on the floor, and I run what's called artist tape, which is masking tape with no residue and the right pH, um, along the edge of the ruler, and then I sew along the edge of the masking tape. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel more worthy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't know how to get a ruler next to my moving needle. I wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah, I have friends who can do it, and I'm just baffled. And mm -hmm. I'm even ambidextrous, and I can't do it. So it's, mm -hmm. okay, more power to you. I mm -hmm. I just, I need another arm. <laughs> that would be good. Well, he gives you the knee lift and the foot pedal. I mean, it knows how to make the most of your body parts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Janome too. So it's, they're figuring it out. Sewing machine companies are getting much, much kinder to us, I think. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. until they come out with another arm for me, I think I'm, I'm still just going to be up a creek. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so when you're, when you're working on um, a quilt, are there any favorite rulers or, or tools or notions that you find yourself using over and over? Well, um, for the circles, I do I will um, gather them around freezer paper, uh, which 
the the rotary the circular rotary cutter doesn't really work very well for me either the paper or the fabric is always shifting underneath it so i will trace a circle and then cut out the freezer paper um to stabilize the circle but i also use the plastic template circles i think it's karen k buckley perfect circles and bigger perfect circles and those are really nice and crisp and perfect circles and you can gather really tight against them so i get a really nice crisp circle using that um and i get i really like well i already mentioned the polyester whatever it's called monopoly polyester thread monofilament polyester um and sometimes the block lock rulers are, I like those. Um, oh, and I like the ones I have done a bunch of quilts with six pointed stars and the templates that are, the company is owned by Marty Michelle and it's called from Marty Michelle. And I like her templates because they have the blunted corners, which helps you line them up. Right. Yeah. I have a stack of those sitting on my um, quilting table. I haven't used them though. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should. Just jump in, Jeff. I mean, just there, with some random fabric sitting there, just go for it. Yeah, there's there's a um there's a quilter. Um I can't, I never can remember her name, um, in Australia who has a pretty active blog, Gnome Angel. Oh yes. Um, and she has released a number of free patterns using the Marty Mitchell templates. Mm. Uh, and that's why I ended up buying them. So mm. um it's on my list. Of things to to work on. So, I mentioned earlier that your quilts have been um, exhibited on display at uh, several of the quilt cons, um, Vermont Quilt Festival, and Quilts Equals Art Equals Quilts. Are you um, actively submitting your your quilts to to various shows? Yes. I mean, I get gratification when they get accepted uh, or get ribbons or get published for sure. And by the way, also having entered that new quilts from an old favorite contest, my quilts were at the National Quilt Museum in Paducah several times too. And they were published, they would publish a little book of the 18 finalists uh, in that contest every year. But I don't think they hold the contest in the same way anymore. Right. Which is a shame because it's so lovely to see more, you know, the older traditional uh, ancestry of quilting. Yes, it was a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. And our local guild used to do something similar of choosing a quilt in the collection of a a historic uh, museum and asking us to be inspired by it. And that was how I got into doing the six pointed stars was they provided a quilt, you know, they said, do something with this. And I was like, that is really hard. It took me quite a while to master those, but then I made quite a number of quilts using that geometry. So, so were those hand pieced or Y seams or, I hand-pieced, not hand-pieced at all. Um, And uh, there were a couple of um, more experienced piecers and sewers who did guide me initially, but then I made my own modifications. And a little article was published in Quilter's Newsletter magazine, I think it was April 
05. I'm not positive about that. But anyway, my technique of how, to, how I do the six-pointed stars was published. Nice. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I, I, I agree about the um, new quilts from an old favorite. I have several of those books, um, and I really like that concept. I, I, I tend to not work as fast as, um, as other people, so I was never able to submit to any of the contests. But I always liked that um, whole concept of taking a traditional pattern and then reinterpreting it. And, and um, Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, every so, um, quilter is every quilter, every quilt does reinterpret something from the past too. So, agreed. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's important to realize where we came from, so we know where we're going too. Well, I yeah. don't know that we know where we're going. <laughs> well, no, but we have a better idea of, you know, the the potential. Just I don't know. I just I'd love to see the new plays on tradition. Oh, absolutely. So, I think it's very important to value the past. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's that's something that tends to frustrate me a lot in modern quilting is the rejection of past. Mm, well, it's complicated. Yeah, it is. It is. So I'm, you know, I've I'm a traditional quilter but I'm not. So like so it's frustrating for me because I learned from traditional quilters. And so mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. I just well, like to pay homage to it. You can. <laughs> you don't have to do what the other people are doing. Or Oh, no. No. <laughs> I have a problem with authority. I can't follow patterns. Mm. <laughs> well, no, but you can incorporate a traditional block any way you absolutely. want to. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, in, in the quilts that you've made, do you have a favorite quilt that you've made? Uh, well, I mean, um, the, my favorite is usually the one I'm working on at the moment. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> um, but the one that's the front page of my website, um, which is called Many Moons, which is one of those kind of cosmic ones, is one of my favorites. It's got the turquoise, the bird on turquoise flying through the sky and lots of circles kind of orbiting um, and um, a great big blue space. And um, it, a lot of those quilts have to do with times that I've been in Provincetown and watched the sunset at herring cove and it's really pretty cool that you can be on the east coast and see this the sun setting in the west because of the way the cape crawls around um so it's and people drive up to that beach just to watch the sunset um it's spectacular and i've done that many many times so that just that that kind of event or that event or that feeling of like watching the drama of being on earth and, you know, being orbiting the sun is just really powerful to me. So that's that. And I put it as a cover or would have cover image on my website because it is, I love it. Yeah. That one's. And gorgeous. that website for people listening is anfetelson.com. Um, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks. Very, very cool. Yeah, so I'm very. You, do you very have inspired. any shows upcoming that your quilts will be um, on display at or exhibited at? 
Well, yes. I mean, the little local library in my hometown, my new, my now hometown of Montague, I'm having a, a small show there. Uh, we're installing it in a few days. It'll only be up for a couple weeks. Um, so, you know, for your audience, I don't think this is particularly relevant, but it's very nice that they asked me and I'm heading off to quilts equal art equals quilts um, in a couple weeks. And I am, have some quilts submitted to QuiltCon already right now. And I uh, have one more to have photographed and send to them. And I will be entering the Vermont Quilt Festival, which kind of feels like a second or third home to me. So for next June. That's great. I, I want to thank you very much. I'm very excited looking at, at your work. You're welcome. Thank you. And I do encourage anyone listening, if you're not familiar with Anne's work, to check her out. Um, again, her Instagram is Fetelson Anne, and that's F E I T E L S O N A N N. And again, we've been speaking with quilter Anne Fetelson. And Anne, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff.